Last week we started this brief three-week series called Christmas Presents uh, with the simple idea, if we put Jesus back in his rightful place at the center of Christmas, we will experience his presence in a whole new way. We looked at Philippians uh, chapter 2 where Jesus is the Son of God and he humbled himself and became just like us. Matthew 1 verse 23, we read the Isaiah version of this last week, but we'll read the Matthew version of this this week. And if you want, if you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Isaiah. So you go ahead and turn Isaiah's uh, chapter, uh, let's go 9. Isaiah chapter 9, that would be a great place if you're, if you'd like to hold your Bible and turn it and do all that stuff, you could do that or you could see the verses on the screen. But Matthew, when he's quoting Isaiah, he says, behold the virgin, this is Matthew 1, uh, 23, behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, that's Mary and Jesus, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. With all the hustle and bustle of the holiday season, everything you got to get done, every gift that you have to buy, every dish that you have to bake, everything that you have to clean up, every blow-up mattress that you have to put together for company, all the stuff that we have to do, every parking spot that you have to fight for, it's really hard sometimes to get lost in just getting this season over with, right? But if we look at what it actually is and what this season's really about, it's about the the God giving his son. We get back to that purest meaning that that Jesus is here. He descended from heaven. He was born in a sable to save us all. Christmas is really about God being with us. God being with us. Us. And there was this eager like anticipation, this eager waiting that the people of Israel were doing, waiting on Jesus to come. My favorite Christmas movie, by far, by far, is A Christmas Story. It came out in 1983. Have you guys seen that movie? It's on TV. Like They like put it on a loop like every Christmas. And basically, there's this little kid, and his name's Ralphie Parker, and he wanted a BB gun. He wanted a BB gun, right? You guys seen this movie? Anybody not seen this movie, right? All right, he wanted this BB gun, and he he didn't want just any BB gun. He wanted, and I have it right here, an official Red Ryder carbine action 200-shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock and this thing that tells time. That's what he wanted. Exactly what he wanted. And the whole movie is about how, um, you know, he, he really wants this gun and he really, he's asking Santa for it, but his mom keeps telling him that he can't have it because... He'll shoot his eye out, right? You guys know it, right? He'll shoot his eye out. And so his mom keeps saying, no, you can't do it. No, you can't do it. But this is what he wants. And at the very end of the, the movie, um, he actually does get this um, 37-year-old movie. You guys act like you've all seen it. No one's like said, I haven't seen it, so I'm just going to ruin it for you right now. He gets the gun, right? And then he destroys his glasses in the process, and he actually does shoot his eye out, right? But this eager awaiting, this eager like desire to have something, like in, in this movie, we see like hope and longing for this gift at Christmas time. And I'm sure you've had similar longings in, at Christmas and similar things that you hope for. Maybe you hope for a new bike. Maybe it was that Barbie doll or that new, um, you know, maybe you're 16, you hope for a car. Maybe you, you hope for a video game system or the latest smartphone. Uh, maybe one Christmas you hope that he finally proposed, right? Maybe one Christmas you hope that she said yes, right? <laughs> like whatever you're hoping for at Christmas time, like we understand that. 
But culturally, the reason why we started giving gifts, the reason why we started exchanging gifts at Christmas time as opposed to any other holiday, we don't really do it at New Year's. I know some families do it at Easter, some families don't. Um, There's just different things. But really, Christmas is the one that we've kind of said as a culture, we're going to exchange gifts here. And really, the reason why we started that was to signify the gift that God gave us in Christ. And so God gave us a gift, therefore we signify that by giving gifts to each other. And the same like childlike hope and longing, and I would even say like the same like teenage or maybe early adulthood, like just desire and hope and longing and maybe angst even attached to it, it, that, that happened in awaiting for the gifts that we have at Christmas time, the same longing happened to the Hebrews, to the Israelites, uh, when they were waiting for the Messiah. That'll go off in a second. Yeah. All right. The same thing will happen uh, when uh, the Hebrews were waiting for the Messiah. They longed for uh, this, this, this gift that God has given them because God had given them a promise. God had given them a promise in Deuteronomy of, of what type of people they were going to be. What type of people were they were going to be? But they ruined it. They messed it up. And I just want to read through this promise that God gave them uh, and, and, and then kind of talk about what this is a little bit. We're going to kind of dive into the history behind Jesus coming today. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 through 14, I'm just going to read the whole thing. It's, it's kind of long, but we'll get through it. Here we go. And then he says this to the people of Israel. And if you faithfully obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I, obey, that I commanded you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. All these blessings, blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your, your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall the fruit of your womb and the fruit of the ground and the fruit of your cattle and the increase of your herds and your young and your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. There's blessing that's attached to what God is is calling out this people. He's establishing these people and he's attaching this blessing to them if they obey him. He says the Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They shall come at you one way but flee from you seven ways. The Lord will command blessing on your barns and in in that all that you undertake. He will bless your your land that the Lord your God has given you. The Lord will establish you As a people holy to himself as he has sworn to you. If you keep the the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock and in the fruit of your ground within, within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury and then... You shall lend to many nations and you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you shall go up and not down if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them. And if you do not turn from aside from any of the words that I have commanded you today to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods and serve them. 
That was the command, or that was the promise that God gave these people. God gave Israel. He gave this amazing promise. You're going to be the head, not the tail. You're going to only go up. You're not going to go down. You're going to lend to people. They're not going to borrow. They're not going to lend to you and borrow from you. You're always going to be blessed if you obey. But guess what? They didn't. They didn't. And so they, just like you and I have rebelled against God's law and we've sinned and we've made mistakes, they, they disobeyed. And because of that, they became, became the subject of God's judgment. Instead of victory, they faced defeat over and over and over again. They lived under constant attack in occupations from the Assyrians to the Babylonians to the Persians to later the Greeks and the Romans. But in the middle of all this, God continued to send prophets. And you can actually read about these guys, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all through the the back half of the Old Testament, God sent prophets to remind the people of his promises and to challenge them to return to following him. This is what we're supposed to be, guys. This is what we're supposed to be. This is the mark that we're supposed to hit. And and one of these men was named Isaiah. And Isaiah foretold of a Messiah that would come, a leader who would come and put everything right. Every mistake, every failure, he would deal with it once and for all, and he would restore God's relationship with his people. In Isaiah chapter 9, this is what he says. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as, the, as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they, with, uh, they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of the oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of every trampling warrior, again, you've got to think these people were under constant attack in the battle of tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel in the fire. And then he says this in verse 6, For unto us, for to us a, a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace there shall be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Jesus was the gift of hope that humanity longed for. Jesus was the gift that humanity desired to restore our brokenness, to put us back together. When we were, when we were broken as, as people, we sinned, we made mistakes, we're separated from God, we see the destruction and the injustice in the world, we see the destruction and injustice even within our own families, and some of us, we've made mistakes and we were contributing to that. When we see the parts of that, we see that, that there is a child that's going to be born, that's going to put everything back together, that that all the wars and all the fighting and all the battle and all the struggle and everything that we've come against as people and everything that we're fighting against and everything that's, that we feel attacked by, there's someone who's coming that's going to put it right. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Isaiah 53, verse 5 and 6, says this of Jesus in his, in his death. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Transgressions is, is the sin that you do. Iniquities is like the, the family sin. So my whole family is a bunch of alcoholics, and they were my dad's an alcoholic, my granddad was an alcoholic, my great-granddad. None, I'm not talking about my family. I'm talking about hypothetically, right? Right? Talking about your family, right? So, um, so like, that's, that's what an iniquity is. So a transgression is basically like the, uh, the sin that you did. So when you, um, you, you lied when you were a little kid, or maybe you, you tell a little fib, you know, to your husband or whatever, you know, or, or your, your, your wife, or, or the, the, the mistake that you made at work where you just kind of try to cover it over or whatever. Like, those type things, those are transgressions, right? Iniquities is like that family, like, my dad was this way, his dad was that way, that dad was that way. And so we see here in Jesus that he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that what brought us peace. We see a prince of peace, and upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. That's not just a physical healing. That's an emotional healing. That's a spiritual healing. That's putting you back together how you need to be. Putting everything back together how you need to be. And then Isaiah says this, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity. Again, we've all done it. It's been passed down over and over and over again. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All we like sheep have gone astray. Jesus did not just come for them. He came for me. He came for me. And so many times in church, man, we, we, we hear a message and we're like, man, I hope that person over there right across the room, I hope they heard that. I hope my, my wife that's sitting next to me, I hope she heard this message. I hope that, you know, my, my, my kid who, who's been acting up, I hope, hope she heard this message. I hope, you know, I hope they heard. But the thing is, is a lot of times what we need to realize is that Jesus didn't just come for them, he came for me. And there's parts of my life and there's parts of your life where, where we have to say, God, I need peace here. There's iniquity inside of me. There's, there, there's transgression inside of me. There's things inside of me that aren't put right. And just like the children of Israel have wandered away from the blessing and the promise that you gave them, I have wandered away from the blessing and promise that you gave them. But thanks be to God that he sent his son Jesus in a manger for you and for me to put everything back together. This is what, what Christmas is really about. In Jesus, we see the target of every hope in humanity, not only to deal with every injustice and every sin and every single thing that's corrupt and, and governments and all that stuff that lives in the world, but he deals with the sin and the guilt and the shame that lives in you and me. He, li- he deals with the sin, the guilt and shame that lives with you and me. The arrival of a baby in a Bethlehem stable is not some cute story of a poor trip planning by a young married couple, Right? It's not something like we, we look at it and we're saying, um, you know, like there's little figurines that your mom puts out and things like that. Or, you know, you go and see the, the drive through uh, nativity scene with like the little 13 year olds who are acting like Mary or whatever. Like you see those things. And you're like, oh, that's cute. That's nice. That feels good. No, the arrival of Jesus addressed the darkest things that are inside of us. People living in a land of darkness have seen a great light. People who are living in deep darkness, on them 
a light has shone. The arrival of a baby in a Bethlehem stable is the initial note in God's great symphony of redeeming the world. But there's more hope in the story. It's a reminder to us, this baby that was born in a stable, that when we feel like life is not as important, or when we feel like it's not everything that we hope for, or when we feel like we're the only, the only people that notice us are the people that don't really matter, like shepherds, right? That, 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 that God is doing something in the middle of that. How many of you guys feel like have, have been in a season in your life at one time or another where you're like, man, I thought I'd be better off than this right now. I thought that, I thought that like really we wouldn't be having the same struggles still. I thought that financially everything would be put together. I thought that, 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 that we, we'd be living in a better house. I thought I'd have a better job by now. I thought that, that really, you know, that, that things would be better than, than they are. We look at Jesus and how he came. He, he, he didn't come in this great palace. He didn't come as this, you know, mature, you know, 28-year-old, you know, People Magazine, most beautiful person of the year, you know, like in this palace filled with gold and just, telling people what to do all the time. He's God. He could have done that, right? But he came in a stable. He came in a stable. He came, he came like just in the lowest of the low. He spent his first night in a feeding trough. And, 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 and for, for us, like when we go through life and things aren't where they need to be, and, and we, we're like, man, I thought it would be better than this. I thought that life would be better. We see that Jesus came to the lowest of the low, in the lowest of the low form. And and in doing that, because he is the Prince of Peace, because this was God's note, a first note in saving us and transforming us, then guess what? God can use wherever you're at whenever you're there. And so you may be in a situation right now and you're like, man, I thought that life would be a lot easier right now. I thought I would have a lot better job. I thought I would have a lot, uh, uh, you know, more money in my checking account. I thought that my health would be better than it is. I thought that things like that. And so you feel like that. But we understand that God can transform our ordinary into something extraordinary. I guarantee you that that wasn't like the coolest stable in the world. Like somewhere, like under the hay, there was like, you know, gold plated tile. And like the feeding trough wasn't really a feeding trough. It was something else, you know, something way cooler than that. Like some like nice, super nice crib. But, you know, we just told the story that it was a feeding trough. You know, that's not how it was. It was a stable. Jesus came to us in the stable. He came to us in the lowest. He came to us as low as this. And so for you and I, whenever we, we, we're in life and we're in circumstances where we're just like, listen, this is not where I wanted it to be right now. God can meet you where you are and he can transform your ordinary into extraordinary. The father responded to the hopeful cries of all humanity by sending his son to be born in a Bethlehem stable. Christmas reminds us that God wants a relationship with us. It reminds us to the lengths that which he will go. It reminds us that even in our failures, even in our despair, even in our sin, even in our doubt, even in our struggle, that God is still wanting to put things right with you and me. So many religions, so many people, so many Christians even think that somehow I've got to deserve God's favor. That God hates me, and somehow I've got to do whatever I can to try to fix that. 
I want to tell you today that through sending his son Jesus, God already fixed it. All you have to do is come to him. All you have to do is open up. All you have to say is, God, thank you that you want to be with me and I want to live for you. Christmas reminds us that when we call out in our despair, he answers. It may not be how we thought he answers, but Emmanuel means God with us. And so if you're in here today, and maybe you're in the situation where you feel like, man, I, I, I thought I would have more blessing. I thought that I would have, you know, like Deuteronomy talks about where everything was going to be put together. I thought I'd be the head, not the tail, but I feel like the tail lately. I thought I'd be, I thought I'd be blessed, but lately I feel like I'm, I'm the one having to borrow and I'm the one having to do all this stuff. I feel like that, that everything that I put out is, is, is not doing what it, what it should do. The, the, the effort that I'm putting out in my job, I feel like all this stuff. I would say this to you. Just give everything in your life to God. Trust him with it. Trust him with it. If you try to figure it out on your own, you're not going to get there. But when we trust God with everything that we are, when we realize that the answer to my problems isn't more effort, it isn't more skill, it isn't more um, drive from me, the answer to our problems is when I approach the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the Wonderful Counselor, when I approach him, everything is made right. Jesus is God's answer for every struggle that we have.